Welcome back to the show. This week we've got mullets, pit bulls, so it's either a fun night at UFC or it's the trailer park. This is Coach Snow, and this is my corner. And welcome back. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about UFC Fight Night uh, Santos versus Teixeira. This is past Saturday night on the 7th. Uh, a couple of the prelims that I want to talk about for sure. Darren Elkins versus Eduardo Gregori. Um, just unbelievable. Uh, every time we see Darren Elkins now, he just looks better than he did the last time. Um, you know, it's it's so easy to discount him because he's kind of this goofy looking guy, but you know, he goes out there and uh, literally every time we see him fight, he proves why they call him the damage. And that is that he always looks horrible every single time, but he also is extremely impressive. Um, he's got a great, uh, high pressure style, uh, not unlike, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. And, it works very well for him. This fight, uh, we saw him implement that game plan. One of the things that we continue to see almost every time he fights is that he he doesn't have like the best chin. Uh, he can take a lot of damage, obviously, but as soon as he starts taking shots, you can definitely see him immediately resorting back to the grappling game. Um, Sometimes that is very effective, and in some cases it's it's entertaining to watch. But it can also get stagnant pretty quickly. Um, he has like a very good relenting pressure when it comes to takedowns and uh, keeping you know keeping the action moving. But he definitely doesn't do it in the in the same way that like a like a Habib would. Um, Got a third round submission in this fight, and it was it was extremely impressive. So, um, looking forward to see what Darren Elkins does going forward from here. Um, he's on a little bit of a streak right now, and you know, like I said, every time we see him, he looks more and more impressive. So, I'm looking forward to seeing his next fight. Um, performance of the night bonus went to Alexander Romanov in his fight versus uh, Marcos de Lima. Uh, first round submission, forearm choke, extremely impressive. Alexander Romanov remains undefeated. Um, you know, in a in a heavyweight division, that's a little bit stale, especially at the top, as we're not really seeing much competition for a belt right now. Uh, seeing some of these guys on the undercard that are coming up, uh, it makes me excited for the the future of the division again. So, um, and then obviously um, Traven Giles versus Bevan Lewis. Third round knockout, extremely impressive knockout. If you want to see a good, clean, just set of combinations to put somebody away, this is a really good fight to watch. Um, the fight was very, I wouldn't say very close, but it was it was back and forth. They both had their moments all the way up to the third round. Uh, Bevan Lewis was definitely the taller man, and that made it a little bit tricky for Giles. Um but any time that we saw him get in close and close the distance and really just kind of put that pressure on him, it was, uh, he made it look very one-sided. So, um, yeah, probably, probably my favorite knockout of the night. So, 
uh, that's definitely one to take a look at. Um, uh, actually, I'm immediately going to take that back. So my favorite knockout of the night had to have been uh, G.J. Chikaze versus Jamie Simmons. Um, probably one of the cleanest and loudest head kicks that I've seen in quite a while. Um, G.J. Chikaze is continuing to be a great fighter. Um, every time that we see him, he seems to be better than the last. Like he's another guy who's on a big streak right now. You know, the featherweight division is just is continuing to be very impressive when it wasn't uh, the most impressive thing to watch just a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this guy get some top 10 competition very shortly. And he is just going to be definitely someone to watch at that weight class. Uh, Andre Arlovsky. You know, this guy is in his 40s. Uh, he's I've been a fan of his for at least a decade. Um, he's been in there doing this for longer than most of these guys. Fought Tanner Bozer. Um, Tanner Bozer is a not, uh, not a terrible fighter, but I have an immediate distaste for anybody with a mullet, so he loses points automatically for that. He is Canadian, so he really doesn't have any excuse to look like the people that, you know, live where I grew up, but here we are. Um, I've seen Tanner Bozer fight a couple of times. I've not been super impressed with him so far. Uh, he definitely looked a little bit better in this fight, but realistically, what I want to talk about in this is how Andre Arlovsky is in his 40s, has been fighting for the better part of over over two decades now and um just continues to look better and well not better i don't think he's ever going to be as good as he was in his prime but the fact that he's still coming forward and still fighting and still looking very impressive even at his age and at this point in his career and he's not showing any signs of slowing down or stopping anytime soon um you know, that's that's impressive to me. You know, I, do I think that he's going to be a, a legitimate contender? Is he going to be somebody that we can expect to see in the title picture? Uh, probably not. And that kind of bums me out. But he is still super impressive to watch. Um, you know, he, he won this fight by unanimous decision. Uh, one of the, the only probably real criticism I had of it is that literally every time that you see him uh, every time that he actually went for it and was landing shots on Tanner Bozer, he was hurting him. And he was still throwing, like, spinning back fists and um, landing very good combinations. But every time you saw him actually really go for it, you know, he was he was doing damage. Problem is, is that you didn't really see him go for it that much, um, which kind of, which is kind of disappointing. Um, Andre Olofsky was in this for a long time. And I think that he still has a lot of great knockout power. But I think he's also at a point in his career where it's... You start questioning, like, how much is it worth? Like, how much damage are you willing to take? Like, how crazy are you willing to get when you still want to have another fight? And I think that that kind of gets into your psyche and, and really kind of stops you from going as as hard as possible in every fight at this point. So... I'm looking forward to see who Arlovsky fights next. Um, you know, this might be a good next fight for um, for Alexander Romanov. So, 
I don't know. I mean, these guys both fought on this card. They should be able to recuperate and be ready again about the same amount of time. So, you know, that's something I'd like to see in the future. And then, obviously, the the light heavyweight main event. You know, if you listened last week, my prediction for this fight was Santos was going to win. I was very sorely mistaken. Um, Santos had probably two really big moments in this fight. Um, early in the first round, early in the third round. Outside of that, he was just really not himself. Um, you know, Glover Teixeira, like I said last week, he continues to show that even at his age and as long as he's been doing this, that he is still an extremely legitimate threat. And, um, you know, and he proved that this week against a returning Chago Santos. Now, Santos has only been out for about a year, um, so the argument could be made that because of the recuperation time for getting his knee fixed, that he probably didn't get to spend very much time working on his wrestling or his grappling skills, and that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment, um, but it definitely showed in this fight. Now, with that being said, Thiago Santos, for his speed and strength, um, and the kind of flurries that he was throwing, like I said, those... The, the two times that he really let it go, like I said, early in the first and early in the third, those would have crumpled most other people. Um, you know, if he had been fighting, if he was fighting like that against, you know, a Dominic Reyes, you know, that probably would have been it for that fight. As we saw Dominic Reyes, when he got cracked by Jan Blahovich, you know, he crumpled. So I think that the, the argument can be made that at Thiago Santos still very much has it, you know, and, um, but now this kind of shakes up my whole outlook on where do we go from here? Because Glover Teixeira is, you know, he definitely wasn't in the, he wasn't high in the rankings for me as far as who was in title contention. And I guess that's on me for, for not having more, uh, respect and understanding for what he was doing right now. But he's definitely hit a second wind in his career. And it's, you know, it's exciting to see how much better he is, even at his age and even for as long as he's been doing this, um, to see how much better he is now than he was before. So, you know, Glover Teixeira won this fight. I mean, it was, you know, like I said, outside of a couple of moments, it was a pretty one-sided fight for him. Um almost finished him at the end of the second round. Uh, you know, Tiago Santos was 100% saved by the bell at the end of the second round because uh, Glover had him in a choke, and it was tight. So, you know, it's it's pretty academic. You know, you know, Santos came out at the beginning of the third round, was pretty hot that he had almost been finished at the end of the round prior to that. And... Um, so he came out guns blazing and almost finished Glover right at the beginning of the third, but then, you know, Deshera turned it around, reversed it on him, and then wound up choking him out, you know, about a minute and a half into the fight, or a minute and a half into the third round. So, yeah, so it begs the question of what, what are we looking at right now as far as light heavyweight contendership? Because at this point, the next fight it looks like according to Dana White, is going to be Izzy is going to step up at 205 and he's going to get the next title shot against Jan Blachowicz. So I'm very excited for that fight. But 
where does that leave some of the other 205 contenders? So people like Glover Teixeira, people like Santos. Where does that leave kind of the mix there at the top of the 205 rankings right now? So I don't know that Glover Teixeira is, I don't know. I mean, I might be 100% off base. He might be 100% ready for um, and deserving of a title shot after this win because it was an impressive win. Um, I personally would like to see him fight one more time. Um, and especially if the next fight for the belt is going to be between Adesanya and Blahovich. I don't know. So maybe we see Glover versus a Dominic Reyes or, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's some, there's definitely some, some speculation to be made up there, but you know, if, if Glover wins one more fight and especially in the way that he did, this fight that was so dominant and so impressive, then I've got no arguments left. I mean, I think he definitely is, I think he's definitely deserving of a title fight. With that being said, I don't know how much Glover Shera could hang with someone like an Adesanya. So, but, you know, I've obviously been wrong before. I'm no expert. Like I said, I went into this fight thinking that um, Santos was going to knock him clean out and that's obviously not what happened so um and then of course there's always the ever looming threat of of john jones and if he decides to come back and fight at 205 if he's going to go to heavyweight no one really knows because he's just too busy being the kanye west of mixed martial arts right now so i guess we shall see um yeah so that's it for a recap for this past week. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into headlines. And welcome back. So major headline this week, uh, specifically just today, it came out about three hours ago. Um, the... Long-rumored rematch between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier is a done deal. Um, according to multiple sources, McGregor and Poirier have come to terms on a deal to book the lightweight fight for the upcoming UFC 257 card on January 23rd, uh, which is expected to take place in Las Vegas. Um, so this fight has been being discussed for quite some time. It was actually originally being discussed to take place not even in the UFC. It was going to be done as a charity exhibition. Um, it, you know, eventually that got scrapped. Uh, the UFC got involved and they wanted to book the fight for real. Um, they Both fighters were on board with the negotiations. And uh, it took up until, I guess, this week for both of them to come to terms. Now... This is a huge fight now with the some of the changes that have been taking place at Lightweight, specifically with Nurmagomedov retiring. Uh, they have yet to vacate his title as of this recording, um, but we're not, uh, we're not sure what's going to happen there. But if he is actually retired and is gone, um, now is a big time for that weight class because... This means that not only do we see this being a chance for Dustin Poirier to get back one of his losses, 
It's also a chance for him to be back in title contention again after his loss to Nurmagomedov. Um, the first fight in this in this between these guys uh, was a first round knockout by Conor McGregor, and this was um, this was years ago. This was back in uh, 2014. So six years later, um, and after that fight, you know. Dustin Poirier has gone five and one in his last six fights. He's beaten Justin Gagey, Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway, and Dan Hooker. So it's hard to discount that he is still a top contender at lightweight. Now, if he is able to win this fight, I think that the argument can be made that he definitely deserves a title fight. Now, whether that title fight is against Tony Ferguson, um, which I'm not sure that it should be at this point because so Justin Gagey beat Tony Ferguson uh, pretty handily for for that matter, and then went on to lose his fight against Nurmagomedov. But you know they've been you know I think everybody's hoped for that Tony Ferguson and. Um, Nurmagomedov fight for a lot of years. I know I have. And every time that it got booked, something happened. And now it looks like we'll, we'll never get to see that fight. But the way that Gagey beat him, that also kind of makes me wonder how he would fare in this fight. So um, there's definitely some movement and there's definitely some some big things. And then you also have to add in that there's Still the threat of Michael Chandler, so um, who doesn't have a who doesn't have a fight confirmed yet? So I think that there's a there's a lot of big fights to be made, especially at lightweight. But this fight between McGregor and Dustin Poirier is definitely one of the fights that I'm the most excited about to begin the year next year, because Dustin Poirier still is a very legitimate threat. I think that he is a very different fighter now than he was in the first fight with Conor McGregor. And I am very excited to see how this one goes. If it's something that, um, that Poirier, like I said, if Poirier is able to pull this fight off, and especially on a huge stage and a huge main event against someone like Conor McGregor, where does that put him all of a sudden, title contention. Is it is it now a case where we see Dustin Poirier being the first fight for Michael Chandler? Um, you know, what do we see? So, this is definitely something that I, that I think everybody needs to keep an eye on, especially if you are interested in the lightweight division, or just, you know, even for casual fans of the sport. You know, anytime that Conor fights, it's a huge draw. It's definitely a huge moneymaker. Um, so... This should be something very interesting and very exciting to watch, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So let's hope that everything stays in place and that um, none of this falls through, and then we'll have a great fight to look forward to to kick off next year. So we're going to take another quick break, and when we get back, predictions. And welcome back. We're going to get into some previews of the upcoming event this weekend. 
Um, just a handful of the fights here that I want to definitely touch base on. Uh, one of the fights that I'm the most excited about is the uh, UFC debut of uh, Kaneko Murata. Um, she is 11-1. and She's currently on a seven-fight win streak, and if you look at some of her history, um, outside of, I want to say, like maybe three or four decisions that she's had, she's had some very, very exciting knockout and submission wins. Um, she has, in her career, uh, she's been fighting in her home country, Japan, she has some very impressive wins, uh, both by Anaconda Choke, a Von Flu Choke, which is like we we hardly ever see anybody except for uh, Ovin St. Preux finish people with those in the UFC. So she has an upcoming fight against uh, Random Marcos, who is not on the level that she used to be. Um, Brandon Marcos is coming off of a first-round loss against Mackenzie Dern by submission. Um, you know, I really like Brandon Marcos. She is probably one of my favorite female fighters, um, but she is also 10-9 and nine right now, and I don't have a lot of high hopes for her in this fight against um, Murata. So... Um, while I am very excited to see this fight, uh, I'm more excited to see this, uh, debut in the UFC. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame because, you know, she, she just lost, like, she just had that fight, um, in September when she lost to Mackenzie Dern and it was a quick, you know, it was a quick fight. But she's right now. She's on a uh, two-fight losing streak. She is um, three, uh, two and three out of her last five fights. Uh, the last two people that she beat were Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder, uh, who I'll get to in a moment. But yeah, I just I don't know. I I feel like if I feel like this is a do or die kind of fight for Brandon Marcos, and if she doesn't win this fight. Um, this might be the last time that we see her in the UFC. So, uh, uh, you know, I would really like to see it happen, but I think that realistically, I don't. I'm not giving her much of a chance. Um, <clears throat> and speaking of Ashley Yoder, she also is fighting on this card. Uh, she's going to be fighting Miranda Granger. This fight to me is kind of a toss-up. Um, I like both of these girls. Uh, Miranda Granger is seven and one. Um, Ashley Yoder is seven and six. So, um, you know, it's you know as, as much as I like Ashley Yoder and I've seen her be very impressive. Um, she is also on a two fight losing streak, and her last fight was back in August, and she lost by decision. So, this is, again, um, another one of these fights that is how how many, like, fights in a row do we see some of these people lose before we don't see them again in the UFC? I think Miranda Granger is a very, uh, a very serious threat. Um, you know, her last fight was 
December of last year, so it's been been quite a while. And um, so yeah, so I'm excited for this one, um, but I, I'm not sure that it's going to be a super exciting fight to watch. Sean Strickland is uh, going to be fighting in a catchweight fight against Brendan Allen. Sean Strickland just fought uh, on October 31st. Uh, he had a um, unanimous decision victory over Jack Marshman. Uh, this is an extremely quick turnaround time for him, so I'm very interested in seeing how this fight works out. With that being said, um, he is 21-3 and in his career, and he is, let's see, in his last five fights... It looks like he's three and two in his last five. Um, with let's see, one, two of those two of those wins being by decision, one by TKO. So um, Brendan Allen, on the other hand, is fifteen and three. He's on a seven fight win streak right now. Um, his last fight was back in June. He had a decision victory over Kyle Dukakis. Um, this could be a very exciting fight. Anytime that we get to see a catchweight fight, it's it's exciting to me. Um, with that being said, anytime that someone does an extremely fast turnaround like this, it makes me pretty cautious for him. So I really like Sean Strickland. Uh, I like Brendan Allen too. So this might be a this could be a fun one for sure. And then um, last fight I want to really talk about is. Main event, Rafael de Sanjos um, was originally supposed to be fighting um, Kamaev in this fight, but due to what is being called a non-COVID-related illness, he had to pull out. And Paul Felder stepped in on five days' notice to save this main event. Now, Paul Felder, after his last fight with Dan Hooker, which I thought was an extremely close fight. I think the argument could have been made that he won that fight, but, you know, I've gone back and watched it. I think that it was the right call, but it was... The talk was that Paul Felder was going to be done after that fight. Um, he even said after that he didn't know if he could keep doing this anymore. Um, I honestly think that would have been the right move. I think that Paul Felder is an absolute legend in the sport. I think that he's done a lot. And I think that he is still, um, he's one of the better color commentators that we have. And I just don't know what else he has to prove at this point. Um, I'm glad that he's stepping in and doing this fight. This is a, a weird fight for Dos Anjos because he's been fighting at welterweight. Um, hasn't been uh, doing great. Um, he's lost his last two fights. The last fight that he won uh, was against Kevin Lee, and that was in May of last year. The last time that Dos Anjos has fought besides that was January of this year, um, and he lost to Michael Chiesa. So it's, it's an interesting fight because both these guys are coming off of losses. Um, both of these guys are at sort of a weird turning point in their career. Um, this is definitely a strange fight for the main event. I'm glad that Felder stepped in to save it. Um, but I think that I would have rather have seen the original fight, but that's the way it goes. Um, 
I don't, man, I don't know. I don't really know that I've got like a, a great prediction for this fight. I think that Dos Anjos does better at, um, at lightweight than he does at welterweight, but you know, um, I guess it remains to be seen. I'm excited to get to see Paul Felder again. Like I said, I, I really like Felder. I think he's a great fighter. He's a great dude. Um, he's one of the better commentators that we have. Uh, definitely better than DC, in my opinion. And this is a, this could be a pretty entertaining fight. So I'm looking forward to it. That'll be this Saturday. And um, and yeah, so, so that's it for this week, guys. Uh, hopefully this was kind of a short episode. Um, we'll be back on Thursday for Hall of Fame. Uh, I know you guys are probably getting tired of hearing it, but if you do want to reach out to me, it is coachsnowpod at gmail.com. Uh, I am officially on iTunes, so please get on there and give me a review. Give me a five-star rating. That'd be awesome. Uh, again, if you're hearing about this on a social media platform, such as the Book of Faces, then please give it a give it a quick share. Give it a like. Um, if you know anybody that is a fan of mixed martial arts, uh, specifically around UFC, obviously I was... I was told that that's really mostly what I talk about. Um, tell them about it, you know. Tell them that. Tell them that you know someone who does a very boring podcast about mixed martial arts, and he'd love the support. So uh, that's it for for today, guys. I'll be back on Thursday, and uh, hope you guys are having a great week. Thanks.